0: Chapter 7 of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A letter and a guest. A letter for you, Mother. Alden tossed a violet scented envelope into the old lady's lap as he spoke and stood there waiting. For me, she exclaimed. Letters for either of them were infrequent. She took it up curiously, scrutinized the address, sniffed at the fragrance the missive carried noted the postmark, which was that of a town nearby, and studied the waxen purple seal stamped with indistinguishable initials. "'I haven't the faintest idea whom it's from,' she said helplessly. "'Why not open it and see?' he suggested, with kindly sarcasm. His assumed carelessness scarcely veiled his own interest in it. "'You always were a bright boy, Alden,' she laughed. "'Another woman might have torn it open rudely,' but madame searched through her old mahogany desk until she found a tarnished silver letter-opener thus according due courtesy to her unknown correspondent having opened it she discovered that she could not read the handwriting which was angular and involved beyond the power of words to indicate here she said your eyes are better than mine alden took it readily my eyes may be good he observed after a long pause but my detective powers are not the m's and n's are all alike and so are most of the other letters she's an economical person she makes the same hieroglyphic do duty for both a g and a y it's from a woman then certainly did you ever know a man to sprawl a note all over two sheets of paper with nothing to distinguish the end from the beginning in the nature of things you'd expect her to commence at the top of a sheet and in a careless moment she may have done so let me see Yes, here it is. My dear Mrs. Marsh. Go on, please, begged Madame after a silence. It was just beginning to be interesting. During my mother's last illness, Alden read with difficulty, she told me that if ever I were in trouble, I should go to you, that you would stand in her place to me. I write to ask if I may come, for I can no longer see the path ahead of me, and much less do I know the way in which I should go. You surely remember her. She was Louise Lane before her marriage to my father, Edward Archer. Please send me a line or two, telling me I may come, if only for a day. Believe me, no woman ever needed a friendly hand to guide her more than, yours unhappily, Edith Archer Lee. Louise Lane, murmured Madame, reminiscently. My old schoolmate. I didn't even know that she had a daughter, or that she was dead. How strangely we lose track of one another in this world yes said alden encouragingly louise was a beautiful girl continued madame half to herself she had big brown eyes with long lashes a thick creamy skin that some way reminded you of white rose petals and the most glorious red hair you ever saw she married an actor and i heard indirectly that she had gone on the stage then i lost her entirely yes said alden again edith archer lee madame went on she must be married think of louise lane having a daughter old enough to be married and yet my virginia would have been thirty-two now dear me how the time goes by the tall clock on the landing chimed five deep musical strokes the canary hopped restlessly about his gilt cage and the last light of the sweet spring afternoon Searching the soft shadows of the room, found the crystal ball on the table and made merry with it. Time is still going by, Alden reminded her. What are you going to do? Madame started from her reverie. Do? Why, she must come, of course. I don't see why, Alden objected gloomily. I don't like strange women. It is not a question of what we like or don't like, my son, she returned in gentle reproof. She is in trouble, and she needs something we can give her. When people are in trouble, they usually want either money or sympathy, or both. Sometimes they only need advice. There are lots of places where they can get it. Advice is as free as salvation is said to be. Madame sighed. Then she crossed the room and put her hands upon his shoulders. Dear, are you going to be cross? His face softened never to you if i know it but why should strange women invade the peace of a man's home why should a woman who writes like that come here don't blame her for her handwriting she can't help it i don't blame her far from it on the contrary i take off my hat to her a woman who can take a plain pen and plain ink and do such dazzling wonders on plain paper is entitled to sincere respect if not admiration smiling madame went to her desk and in a quaint old-fashioned script wrote a note to mrs lee there she said as she sealed it i've asked her to come to-morrow on the six o'clock train i've told her that you will meet her at the station and that we won't have dinner until half past seven that will give her time to rest and dress if you'll take it to the post office now she'll get it in the morning alden shrugged his shoulders good-humouredly kissed his mother and went out He wondered how he would recognize the strange woman when she arrived on the morrow, though a few people came on the six o'clock train, or, for that matter, on any train. "'Might write her a little note on my own account,' he mused. "'Ask her to take off her right shoe and hold it in her left hand, or something of that sort.' "'No, that isn't necessary. I'll bet I could go into a crowd of a thousand women and pick out the one who wrote that letter.' The scent of violet still haunted him but by the time he had posted his mother's note he had forgotten all about it and was thinking of rosemary madame however was busy with plans for her guests comfort she took down her best hand embroidered linen sheets shaking out the lavender that was laid between the folds selected her finest towels and dresser covers ransacked three or four trunks in the attic for an old picture of louise lane found a frame to fit it in laid out fresh curtains had the shining silver candlesticks cleaned again and open wide every window of the long-unused guest-room to give it a night's airing. Downstairs she searched through the preserve closet for dainties to tempt an unhappy woman's appetite, meanwhile rejoicing with housewifely pride in her well-stocked shelves. That evening, while Alden read the paper, she planned a feast for the next night, and mended with fairy-like stitches the fichu of real lace that she usually wore with her lavender silk gown. "'Is it a party?' queried Alden, without looking up from his paper. "'Yes. Isn't company a party?' "'That depends. You know three are said to be a crowd.' "'Still inhospitable, dear?' "'Only mildly so. I contemplate the approaching evil with resignation, if not content. "'You and I have lived alone so long that we've got ourselves into a rut. "'Every one we meet may give us something, and receive something from us in return.' i perceive said alden irrelevantly that the lady mother is going to be dressed in her best when the guest arrives a pale pink flush mantled the old lady's fair cheeks at the moment she looked like a faded rose that had somehow preserved its sweetness why not she asked why do we always do for strangers what we do not willingly do for our own flesh and blood he queried philosophically you love me better than anything else in the world Yet you wouldn't put on that lavender gown twice a year just for me alone. A strange woman may feast her eyes upon it the moment she enters the house. She'll eat from the best china, sleep between embroidered sheets, and I have no doubt drink the wine that father put away the day I was born, to be opened at my wedding. Not at your wedding, my son, but the day you found the woman you loved. Then, after a long pause, she added shyly, Shouldn't it be opened now? it'll keep the young man grunted after lying for thirty years among the cobwebs a few more weeks or months or years as the case may be won't hurt it besides i don't expect to have any wedding i'm merely going to be married might as well let the strange woman have it alden's father had as he said put away on the day he was born all the wine that was then ready to be bottled the baby girl had been welcomed gladly especially as she had her mother's eyes but the day the second Alden Marsh was born the young father's joy had known no bounds he had gone at dusk to the pale little mother and holding her in his arms had told her about the wine i've put it all away he had said for the boy he's to open it the day he finds the woman he loves as i love you the shelf in the storeroom where he had placed it had never been disturbed though dust and cobwebs lay thickly upon it and madame had always prided herself upon her immaculate housekeeping it grieved her inexpressibly because alden cared so little about it and had for it apparently no sentiment at all to her it was sacred like some rare wine laid aside for communion but as she reflected the boy's father had died before he was much more than a child don't you remember your father at all asked madame with a sigh I can't say that I do, that is, not before he died. The casket and the gloom of morning had made its own vivid impression upon the child's sensitive mind. One moment stood out quite clearly, but he forbore to say so. It was when his mother, with the tears raining down her face, had lifted him in her arms and bade him look at the man who lay in the casket, oh, so cold and still. Say good-bye to father, dear, she had sobbed is father gone away he had asked in childish terror then she had strained him to her heart crying out just for a little while oh if i could only believe it was just for a little while the rest had faded into a mist of sadness that for a long time had not even begun to lift when he found his mother in tears as he often did after that he went away quietly knowing that she longed for father who had gone away and never returned later he used to sit on the top step of the big colonial porch a fragile little figure waiting through the long summer afternoons for the father who did not come once when his mother was so absorbed in her grief that she did not hear him come into the room he had laid a timid trembling hand upon her knee saying mother if you will tell me where father is i will go and bring him back but instead of accepting the offer She had caught him to her breast, sobbing with a sudden rush of impassioned prayer. Dear God, no, not that. Time, as always, had done his merciful healing, which, though slow, is divinely sure. Madame was smiling now, at some old memory that had come mysteriously out of the shadow, leaving all bitterness behind. She had finished mending the lace and had laid it aside. Alden took it up awkwardly and looked at it. This for the strange woman, he said teasingly, and plain black or grey silk for me, though I am fain to believe that you love me best. Why is it? Because, she responded playfully, you know me and love me even without fuss and frills. For those who do not know us, we must put our best foot forward, in order to make sure of the attention our real merit deserves. But doesn't immediately command? Is that it? i suppose so what must i wear to the train my dress suit don't be foolish son you'll have plenty of time to dress after you get home shall i drive or walk take the carriage she'll be tired unhappy women are always tired are they tired because they're unhappy or unhappy because they're tired and do they get unhappier when they get more tired or do they get more tired when they get unhappier "'Don't ask me any more conundrums to-night. "'I'm going to bed to get my beauty sleep. "'You must have had a great many, judging by the results.' Madame smiled as she bent to kiss his rough cheek. "'Good night, my dear. "'Think of some other pleasant things and say them tomorrow night to Mrs. Lee.' "'I'll be blessed if I will,' Alden muttered to himself, "'as his mother lighted a candle and waved her hand prettily in farewell.' if all the distressed daughters of all mother's old schoolmates are coming here to cry on her shoulder and flood the whole place with salt water it's time for me to put up a little tent somewhere and move into it by the next day however he had forgotten his ill-humour and was at the station fully ten minutes before six o'clock as it happened only one woman was among the passengers who left the train at that point mrs lee he asked taking her suitcase from her Yes mr marsh yes this way please how did you know me she inquired as she took her place in the worn coupe that had been in the marsh stables for almost twenty years by your handwriting he laughed closing the door a smile hovered for a moment around the corners of her mouth then disappeared then too he went on as you were the only woman who got off the train and we were expecting you i took the liberty of speaking to you "'Did you ask the man to have my trunk sent up?' "'Trunk?' echoed Alden helplessly. "'Why, no. Was there a trunk?' She laughed, a little low, rippling laugh that had in it an undertone of sadness. There was a peculiar throaty quality in her voice, like a muted violin or cello. "'Don't be so frightened, please, for I'm not going to stay long, really.' i'm merely the sort of woman who can't stay overnight anywhere without a lot of baggage it it wasn't that he murmured yes it was you don't need to tell me polite fibs you know how far are we from the house not as far returned alden rallying all his forces for one supreme effort of gallantry as i wish we were she laughed again began to speak then relapsed into silence furtively in the gathering shadow he studied her face She was pale and cold. The delicate lines of her profile conveyed a certain aloofness of spirit, and her mouth drooped at the corners. Her hat and veil covered her hair, but she had brown eyes with long lashes. Very long lashes, Alden noted, having looked at them a second time to make sure. The silence became awkward, but he could think of nothing to say. She had turned her face away from him and was looking out of the window. How lovely the country is! She said pensively i wish sometimes i never had to step on a pavement again do you have to he asked yes for i'm over civilized like the god in greek mythology i need the touch of earth occasionally to renew my strength but a very brief contact is all sufficient i am a child of the city brought up on smoke and noise you don't look it he said chiefly because he could think of nothing else to say madame herself opened the door for them with the old-fashioned hospitality which has an indefinable charm of its own how do you do my dear she said taking the hand the younger woman offered her in the instant of feminine appraisement she had noted the perfectly tailored black gown the immaculate shirtwaist and linen collar and the discerning taste that forbade plumes the fresh cool odour of violets persisted all the way upstairs as madame chattered along sociably, eager to put the guest at her ease. Below, they heard Alden giving orders about the trunk, and Mrs. Lee smiled. A little wan ghost of a smile that madame misunderstood. "'You don't need to dress if you're tired,' she suggested kindly, "'though we always do. Come down just as you are.' Mrs. Lee turned to the dainty little woman who stood before her, arrayed in shining lavender silk the real lace fichu was fastened at the waist with an amethyst pin and at her throat she wore a string of silver beads her white hair was beautifully dressed and somewhere among the smooth coils and fluffy softness one caught the gleam of a filigree silver comb not dressed she said indeed i shall as soon as my trunk comes that is she added hastily if there's any one to hook me up there is madame assured her i'll leave you now to rest We dine at half-past seven. The sweetness of the lavender-scented room brought balm to Edith Lee's tired soul. How lovely she is, she said to herself, as she noted the many thoughtful provisions for her comfort, and how good it is to be here. A silver-framed photograph stood on her dressing-table, and she picked it up, wondering who it might be. The hair and gown were old-fashioned, and the face seemed old-fashioned also, but in a moment... She had recognized her mother. Tenderness for the dead and the living filled her heart. How dear it was of madame to have placed it there, this little young mother just budding into womanhood. It had been taken long before she had known of Edith or had more than dreamed of love. The arrival of the trunk compelled her to brush away a few foolish tears. She did not stop to unpack, but only took out the dinner gown that lay on top promptly at half-past seven she went down into the living-room where alden and his mother were waiting to receive her madame smiled with pure delight at the vision that greeted her but the young man forgot his manners and stared stared like the various schoolboy at the tall stately figure clad in shimmering pale green satin that rippled about her feet as she walked brought out a bit of colour in her cheek and lips deepened the brown of her eyes and like the stalk and leaves of a tiger-lily faded into utter insignificance before the burnished masses of her red-gold hair. End of chapter 7